You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Now, what is Go Wild? Go Wild is the fastest growing and most active app for hunters, anglers, and outdoorsmen. So what do you do? You log time. You earn points and you get bragging rights. Now, Go Wild isn't about really your follower count like uh, a lot of people try to do in some of the other social media apps. However, it allows you to earn points. And over time, the app will be adding functionality to reward users for their time outside. So go sign up and start logging your points today. Uh, They're giving giveaways away weekly you can win anything from $500 coolers to $150 in fishing tackle to optics to hammocks to broadheads to fly rods and tons of other great stuff that they're uh, giving away all you have to do is sign up and start using the app Um, and unlike a majority of the other social media apps you know aka Instagram aka Facebook Go Wild supports hunting. They even donate some of their reno, uh, their revenue back into conservation groups. So they're not going to tell you, hey, you can't post pictures of your guns. They're not going to tell you, hey, uh, you got to walk lightly around trophy picks. This platform supports the lifestyle that we choose for hunters and anglers. So sign up for Go Wild today. And all you have to do for more information is visit time to go Wild. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy motherfucking Monday, everybody. (laughs) Hopefully, everybody had a great weekend. You got some time to get outside and enjoy Mother Nature with yourself 
or with your family or with a bum down the street. I, I could care less. As long as you got outside and uh, enjoyed Mother Nature, that's all that really matters, man. Now, today, I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for, man, I don't even know how, uh, how many years. I want to say two, maybe even three. And uh, when I started the Nine Finger Chronicles, I was like, I need to pick this guy's brain because he is a successful big buck killer and he's only been hunting for 10 years. And in the grand scheme of things, that's not a long time. He's only 20, I think 27 years old. And there's been years where like in one year he killed a 180 class, 170 class and a 160 class. Right, And I'm talking about Cody DeQuisto. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because his dad is Andre DeQuisto. And he is what some may consider the goat of bow hunting, right? One of the greatest bow hunters of all times. He uh, is the inventor of the lone wolf tree stand. He is like... I, He's kind of that run and gun, you know, mobile hunter. He's he's very aggressive in its tactics. And today we talk a little bit with Cody about how he was raised as a bow hunter, how he's kind of implemented some of his own strategies. And basically what this is, is a hunter profile podcast about Cody, how he grew up and how he kind of was introduced to bow hunting all the way until, you know, what he is doing now now there's this is a two-part series right so uh today which is monday we have the hunter profile type of podcast and on wednesday of this week we're going to talk way more about strategy so this podcast and the next podcast is definitely a must listen podcast Uh, it's going to open your eyes to a lot of things and, uh, not only this one, but the next one as well. And it's kind of goes against the grain of what I would say the quote unquote hunting industry has, you know, been feeding us over the years. We're talking about, uh, guys who are successful bow hunters and really successful bow hunters doing it the hard way and, (laughs) and doing it in a way that a lot of people aren't used to so great informative podcast not only not only for entertainment but you can learn you're going to learn something on these podcasts as well now commercial time ripcord arrow rest now when i was in when I was in uh, Colorado on this elk hunt, right, I told you last week on the on the podcast that I beat the shit out of my prime bow, right? I was using it as a walking stick. Now, what is attached to my prime bow? It is my ripcord arrow rests. I mean, I had that thing in dirt. I had it wet. I had, like, it bumped up against rocks. And, you know, obviously I didn't get a shot on an elk. But every every day I came back to camp, I would shoot my bow to make sure it was still on. And that <laughs> that rest alone took a beating and continued to work flawlessly every single time. So I need you to go to Google. I need you to Google Ripcord Arrow Rests. And that's the uh, website, ripcordarrowrest.com. Look at their products 
and put one on your bow because this is one of those products where I feel very confident where as long as they're making them, I will be using them. So uh, just a, a really kick-ass product made in America. It's a, a veteran-owned company. I mean, I could say I could keep talking about all the good things that this company has to do, but the product alone is is an awesome product. So there's that. Go check out Ripcord Airrest. All right, here we go. Let's get into this Hunter Profile podcast with Cody DeQuisto. Well, I am sitting in a state park in Iowa, and uh, I had everything set up perfect. And all of a sudden, these two, this car full of old ladies comes in, and they're say, they say, Hey, uh, are you using this shelter house? And I didn't have it reserved. So they're like, uh, I'm like, no. Um, and then, but I am going to be recording, and I use the terminology radio show, so they would... Uh, understand because you know i say podcast and they're like huh what's a podcast (laughs) and uh so they okay well that's good we'll use the other half of the um of the shelter house (laughs) i'm just like are you kidding me man so we had to tear down and we had to move to another shelter house that had the reserve sign still on it from a previous day so now i'm hoping that no one messes with us cross the fingers that's right right now i'm here with mr cody is it DeQuisto? Yep, DeQuisto. DeQuisto. Yeah. All right. And for those of you uh, who think that last name sounds familiar, is because uh, a lot of people may know uh, or have heard in the past of his dad, uh, Andre, who just is real known in the hunting community as a, a big buck killer. And some of those genes have kind of been passed down to his son, Cody, here. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, and we're going to try to knock out maybe two uh, podcasts today. The first one is going to be kind of a hunter profile talking about you know him growing up how he was introduced to hunting so forth and so on and then maybe the second one we'll get into some strategy but man i've talked a lot already how are you doing i'm doing good good yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's it's nice to finally sit down with you and i would kind of had some stuff in the works for a long time but um yeah we've uh man i think i think i reached out to you what almost two years ago i think we've been trying to set something like this up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, two, maybe even three. I don't yeah. know. I, it, it was a while back, but um, the stars have lined up, and here we and, are. Uh, yeah, like you said, <laughs> here we are. Let's we can uh, talk some whitetails. Absolutely, because I mean, one thing that guys like us have in common is it is above everything. It's a huge passion for us, and it's something that a lot of people who are not hunters are friends because I have a lot of friends who aren't hunters and they don't understand how a guy can go and sit in the timber in freezing temperatures for hours and days just in hopes of an encounter with an animal. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a hard thing to comprehend. Um, I I hear it all the time. What are you doing, man? Like, How, how do you do that? Why are you doing that? Well, yeah, it's like you said, it's a it's a passion for sure. Yeah. All right, so we're going to start at the very, very beginning. And what I want, you know, with, with your dad being who he is, I want to know how you were introduced into, I guess, hunting in general. I mean, did it start with bow hunting or did it, like, maybe the foundation was trapping or fishing or anything like that? Or was it just getting kicked into the deep end of the pool with bow hunting? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, 
pretty much bow hunting through and through. I, um, ever since I started whitetail hunting, it's been with a bow, and mm-hmm. and it, uh, you know I don't think I really had a different option. You know, it was kind of uh, the old man bow hunted, and and we weren't a, we weren't typically a gun hunting family. So yeah, it started off with the bow. Uh, I mean, prior to that, I plinked around with with a BB gun here and yeah. there, and and did a did a few small game type hunts and and things like that, but um, never. Uh, never gun hunted a day in my life and, and just, yeah. you know, fell in love with the sport of uh, bow hunting and, and uh, archery. Yeah. So at what age did you start to, or you know, as, was it as far back as you can remember when you were like knee high, th- two, three, four, or did it, was it something that you typically didn't get introduced to until you had the ability to do it? Um, yeah, so... I would probably say, I mean, from as early as I can remember, um, I would get dragged in the pickup truck and we'd go glassing for hours every night, you know, around town after dinner. And, and, uh, you know, I never really knew what we were doing, but, you know, we were, we were looking for deer and, and, uh, you know, dad was covering ground and doing his due diligence so he could, uh, get on some big, big whitetails. And, um, I think that was the, that was the first thing I can remember is really, you know, being involved in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, going to the woods with him and just you know following around like a you know a freaking little puppy dog you know when I was little <laughs> just as he scouted around the timber so um there was definitely a lot of memories of that um I didn't really start hunting um until you know I, I think in Wisconsin the legal age of hunting was like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. so I remember going through the hunter's education course and and um you know practicing with the bow uh, and I shot fingers back back then, and it was you know kind of fun to practice with yeah. the bow. And uh, I hunted for about a year, um, or not a year, a couple times. I yeah. went out when I was twelve, and that was the first time I was subjected to bow hunting, and didn't really know what it was. Uh, and I ended up actually airing a deer, never found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may have maybe deterred me a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was a young kid being dragged yeah. out into the woods, and um, you know, so that was my first experience. Um, so, you know, taking a step back when you were in those pickup truck rides or, you know, your dad taking you into the timber, was he explaining to you like the details of, Hey, I'm, I'm here because of this reason, or I'm, I'm glassing because it helps me in the fall or any, I mean, was, did he explain to you what was going on or was it just kind of you learning through observation? Yeah. Never once. Yeah. Never once do I ever remember getting any sort of explanation. It was yeah. sort of, it, he's he's not that type of guy. I feel like it was never like, here, son, you know, here's a here's a deer track. This is what yeah. it looks like. It was, it was, you know, keep the fuck up, you know. Yeah. And it was just watching him sort of, you know, I knew we were out looking for deer in the field, but yeah. I never really put it together of mm-hmm. why he was doing that. You know, I was a little young at that time, and, um, you know, I was aware that, um, you know. Even being involved with the tree stands, and you know, back in them days, I I remember playing on pallets of tree stands that were in the yard because the business was in the backyard. So, uh, hunting, you know, encompassed his life, yeah, and it did so mine. You know, I remember at that age too. You know, we'd always me and my sisters would be waiting and to see what he came up with and and what he came home with as far as uh, you know, deer wise. But um, the way I learned was definitely. Uh, visual and just, I mean, just tagging along for so long and, and, um, you know, listening to him talk to other people or, yeah. or tell stories and, you know, just gathering all that, that information, 
um, to when I started hunting on my own, I just, you know, was able to put the pieces together. And Yeah. So what were some of the biggest things that you learned as a kid from that, from that visual, you know, from that visual education? I think just, uh, you know, getting out there and finding out what's going on. That's yeah. probably the, the single most important thing that I think I've picked up from him and just learned along the way is that, um, and I don't know if it's a genetic thing, he's he's not a real patient person mm-hmm. and neither myself. So uh, I don't think I've ever, you know, spent more than three hours in a tree stand at one time. Yeah. He's the same way, you know, it, it, and I don't know if it's a little bit of ADHD or whatever the hell it is, but uh, – I think the biggest thing, hands down, would be just, um, uh, you know, you got to put yourself in the right area. Yeah. Uh, you can't just, you can't, you know, wait on a prayer and, and, and hope, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. So then, you know, as as you started, you know, as you were getting older and now you started hunting yourself, did, uh, I mean, did your dad ever say, okay, you're going to sit in this tree stand, I'm going to go in here. Uh, and then I'll get you at dark or was it kind of, uh, again, kick you out of the truck and say, good luck. Well, it, yeah. And it definitely was like when I started hunting and, and going back to that, like, you know, from that gap, there was a, a big gap from that first time bow hunting to, right. um, you know, when I started actually, I would call it hunting. So, yeah. and I think that came around when I was like 16. Um, and one thing that I am thankful for is I think the reason I'm so passionate about deer hunting to this day is that he didn't push it on me, mm-hmm. you know? So he never forced me to go. I mean, we know when I was young, it was a different story. I just was always with him. But you know, when I was 14, 15, uh, and didn't want to go hunting, he never made me go hunting, never drug yeah. me out into the woods, you know? So, and there was a lapse in time there. Um, so I think that maybe, you know, drove the passion a little bit too, not having it, having it shoved but down my throat. But, yeah. um, when I first started hunting then and it got me into it, I obviously I think he wanted me to be successful. To, he knew that would get me yeah. hooked. So I remember my first year, I think I was 15 years old, um, was the first and only year that I, or not only, but the first year that I really hunted and we hunted together. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a, you know, a memory I have, you know, we, we bounced around and, um, kind of, you know, got the job done that year. Um, and when I arrowed that first deer, it was it it was a big um, a big turning point in the hunting. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, I like this shit. Yeah. You know, I mean that was that was a big um, drive. Um, and then the following year is when I started then branching out on my own. You know, I was okay. like, okay, you know, I I I get what's going on. You know, I want to get this done myself. You know, mm-hmm. so um, I think it was a little bit of a slow transition but so you were only in the the nest so to speak for just a little while until oh, yeah. until yeah. you were like okay now were you you know some people branch off out on their own because their parents make them branch off on their own and then some people branch out on their own because they want to branch out on their own right so where where would you fall on oh i wanted to get as far away from it as i could you know i mean i being you know it's 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 uh um, I guess being in that position where I never wanted anybody to think my hand was getting held. So yeah. immediately I wanted to get as much distance from him as possible. You know, I didn't want to answer, ask him any questions. I didn't want to hunt with him. I didn't want to do anything. You know, I wanted to go out on my own and learn my own, you know. So 
Um, and what age was that? That was 16. 16, yep. okay. So, I mean, that was like the second year I was gun-ho. I'm like, you know what, I, you know, I've been, been hanging stands. I've been hunting. You know, I started, you know, it was like the – so I, I went off on my own that year. And um, that year, I think I had the old man maybe film me, uh, which is another interesting thing. You know, at that point in time, it was really cool because I was getting into um, – really serious hunting at the exact same time lone wolf white or whitetail addictions was starting yeah you know so dad started that tv show and from the day i started hunting there was a camera on me so yeah i started self-filming myself the following year i'm like well i can film myself you know i want to and i've i've i screwed up on so many deer you know trying to self-film but (laughs) it was so cool that i started from day one self-filming so that was like just a thing i learned in the process so now it's just like second nature and yeah and, um, you know, I get all my kills, you know, or most of them on film at least. Uh, but it was, um, I, sorry, I got off on a tangent here. Uh, but it was really cool because it was being filmed. And then more so I wanted to get out on my own. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, I can do this, you know. So. Yeah. Did you, I mean, my very first buck or, or buck, it, that wasn't really on film. But the very first deer I ever shot with a bow, period, was on film. And I self-filmed myself do it. And then I went through a handful of years filming myself. And I, I started not to like it. I started not to like having to bring all that extra gear with me. I started not liking having to not necessarily feel like I was obligated to share what I was doing out in the woods with people. And did you feel that because your dad was making a TV show that you were obligated to film some of your hunts, even though you were out doing it by yourself? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I never looked at it that way. I, I kind of, I wanted to film them, yeah. you know, because I think I've always been, you know, uh, sort of chasing that, that, uh, you know, success and, and, you know, just another thing like, well, Hey, he's filming himself kill deer. I can, I can film myself, you know? So I, yeah. I, I sort of wanted to, you know, to prove myself I could do it. I knew it was harder. Um, but no, I don't think I ever felt obligated. I do think it's a pain in the ass and I yeah. don't, I really don't like doing it. And there's sometimes I'm just like, I ain't taking that camera out there. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and that's more so now as I'm getting more serious and going after these bigger deer and, you know, filming it is becoming less of a priority to me now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd rather, you know, g- go get the job done than mess around and freaking try and film something, you know? So, yeah. um, I definitely think it's a headache at times too. It's, it's a, it's a pain, but I will say, man, having that, having those films, you know, every time I go back and watch them, it's like, oh man, that was cool. You know, yeah, I got, absolutely. I at least got it. Yeah. And I remember that, that first kill, uh, dad was actually filming me and we got some awesome footage. This thing came in at 10 yards, did a crazy mule kick. You could just see the freaking blood just go crazy. And then he, he ran off and, and, um, you know, we were both jacked up. So it was really cool to watch, um, yeah, so it's definitely cool having those memories yeah. um, on the filming. So, kind of backing up a bit, um, how old were you when like Lone Wolf started? Oh, I Lone Wolf started before I was born. Oh, Te- before you? Okay, technically. All right. Yeah. So that methodology of the run and gun mobile style hunting—that's all you knew, basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, I know that uh, you know Lone Wolf started, uh, you know, in the in the nineteen eighties, uh, and it you know started with climbers. Yeah. Then went into hang-ons, then went into climbing sticks, and all that stuff. And and you know the patent, like the cast aluminum, when he took it to that that next level, and that patent, you know, I was 
I was a little, you know, I was around at that point in time. I was probably maybe, I don't know, eight or something like that. But yeah. Um, so it definitely goes back to, um, yeah, I've, that's all I've ever really right. been subjected to. You know. So you know, because as a as a kid, I I, I didn't have any uh, hunting mentors really. I mean, I taught myself how to hunt, and I mean, I had some some guides uh, along the way, but it, I was always hey man, I need to be over here and I can't do that with a ladder stand type type of hunting. So with with that being the only like kind of hunting style that you knew when maybe other kids were talking to you about, yeah, I sat on this food plot or I sat in a this this climbing stand. What was that like to you hearing your experiences probably being so different from everybody else's experiences as a, a youth hunter? Um, yeah, I, I, I had friends that hunted, um, and it was always sort of, you know, I, everybody I knew that hunted, it was the, you know, they either were gun hunters and it was that, you know, a couple weeks a year and it was yeah. the whole commodity thing and they'd drink and, you know, the family would get together and they'd spend more time in the cabin than they did in the woods and yeah. they'd, they'd do drives. And, and that was literally something that I've never been a part of. Like I, right. I, you know, I've never shotgun hunted ever, you know, I've never went, never even hunted gun season. So I didn't, I didn't have that to correlate with. And, you know, but I, I also seen like, you know, these, it was more of a, um, a good time for everybody. And I right. looked at more as, I looked at it more as a, uh, you know, a task that I needed to get done. And, and, um, I, I enjoy it, but with how competitive I am, it was always, you know, it's like work, man. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, the way that, you know, we hunt, it can get taxing. So I guess I just never, I never really understood, but I didn't care either because yeah. I was being successful and, you know, and at the same time I might try to preach to some people and, and a lot of people just don't get it or, yeah. or they're not willing to, you know, or maybe their expectations in. were a little bit different than yours. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And right. that's, that's the thing, you know, a lot of those guys too. I mean, uh, they were, you know, I, it, it's all about your experiences and how you come up yeah. and how you start and, and where you go from there. So, I mean, like you said, I, I just had a completely different, different upbringing and, yeah. you know, and that's one thing that I want to, because on these notes that you sent me, it says it says here blessing and a curse, <laughs> starting out with such a high bar. Yeah, and, and that was something I put on myself. But um, I, like prime example, that first deer, I remember killing that first deer. Now this, is, now this is the first buck I've ever killed with a bow, you know, inside of fifteen yards, and I was I was pumped when I did it. Mm-hmm. But that first deer, I remember getting to it, and I'm like, oh, man, what does that thing score? You know, and that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, which was like. A pretty sad thing you know yeah. so and, that, and i remember that thing scored like 124 inches and i was like motherfucker like you know i wanted a pope and young like you right. know and that's all i which you know some people might think is is disgusting but that's you know c- coming up the way i did and i mean there wasn't a single space on our wall that didn't have a deer on it yeah. and these deer weren't small i mean like the deer, like I just shot, ended up in the garage, and they had dust on them. Nobody, nobody could see those deer, you know. So in my head, I'm thinking, man, you know, I gotta shoot bigger stuff, you know. I'm never yeah. gonna, uh, you know. Uh, so I, it was something I put on myself, I think for sure. But um, I didn't want to shoot something that, yeah, in my mind was, you know, I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, not worthy. <laughs> but, right. So. Did you end up enjoying that first kill, or was it like? I just shot what by my dad and my family 
consider a, a small deer? I mean, yeah. were, did you enjoy it even? Um, you know, I, I did, but then I didn't. Immediately that thought was, I should have just waited. You know, right. I, I could have got a bigger one. There's bigger deer right. out here, you know, um, which – so yeah, it, it was definitely kind of, uh, and then you know that next following year, it was it was, um, you know, I was just so pissed and but and determined to you know mm-hmm. shoot a good deer, or in my mind, what a good deer was, um, and my second deer ended up being like right around one sixty. So yeah, um, so and that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy because there are people out there who even in states like Iowa and Illinois and maybe even Kansas who, you know, will never ever put in the work or have the drive to chase specific deer right so was score something that was important to you like from a from very early on oh yeah that i think that was just ingrained into my head you know it's like one of those things like you know dad was um dad is a big score man you know he was always about and it was always about those uh um, you know, the, the net, uh, typical deer, you know, yeah. it was, wasn't so much about non-typical deer, but that net Boone and Crockett was his, yeah. w- was his, you know, trophy. Um, you know, when, and the term Boone and Crockett, I think is thrown around a lot yeah. these days, but net, you know, I mean, in order to net that 170, you got to have it all, man. And that's, that's an impressive deer. So I think just, you know, hearing his, you know, how much that meant to him over the years and, um, you know, me wanting larger deer, I think, you know, score was definitely a big, a big factor in it. Yeah. So, I mean, did that, did that mess you up at all? Because with, with going from, you know, a 120 as a 16 year old, I, I look at that and go, dude, anybody should be happy with that. I mean, that's a great deer. I mean, there are people in certain states that will probably never kill a 130 class deer, no matter how hard they how hard they uh try so why do you think it was that score was such like such such an important thing i mean honestly deep diving deep down into it you know i you know i'm I'm super competitive but i was probably just shooting for you know uh a good job or maybe a a, what that may be or, or you know the old man's approval if you will yeah you know um so I think, you know, in my mind, man, I got, you know, I got to get a bigger deer, um, or I got to get deer that fit in, you know? So yeah. I always wanted something, you know, that, that would fit in on the wall, which was in, you know, thinking back to it, it's like, man, that was a un like reasonable expectation at that yeah. point in time. And I was so green in the hunting myself, like, you know, you sh- I should have just been, you know, shooting a lot smaller deer, you know, getting my feet wet more, getting more experience. Um, but, you know, I dove right into it and. In that second year, um, I ended up shooting that deer. In that year is what completely put me off the deep end because um, I picked out a certain deer, and that deer that deer got the better of me. Mm-hmm. And then I just uh, – it was kind of a crazy story. I, uh, I had Dad filming me at one point in time, and that deer got the better of me and actually caught me uh, when I came to full draw on him, and he bugged out. Mm-hmm. And, you know – dad's sitting there like well you know there's better deer on the other property go you know go hunt over here we'll go hunt over here and i'm like no man i gotta get that deer like that deer that deer got me and um you know a couple hunts later i ended up seeing the deal with that one and just that that experience of uh um you know 
being able to outsmart that specific deer too and get it done was was a big a big change in factor too. Not only from score because I was happy with that deer at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that one I really enjoyed. I think. Yeah. So I mean, even in regardless of what state you hunt in, finding uh, a class a 160 class animal can be difficult. I mean, even even bigger or whatever, even 150, however, however you want to look at it. So as this, now you're 17, you just shot your 160-inch deer, you have, it's like you, it sounds like you can't go backwards from that. Yeah, and that was, and that was a big, that was a big, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I've, sh- from now and then, or from now to then, I've shot in a few deer that were backwards, but everything i started shooting was right at that 160 mark so yeah. it was you know it was like okay you know that's that's what it is man i need, i'm i'm happy with the 160 like yeah. i'd be ecstatic with a wall full of 160s like that's right. what i thought at that point in time and and i'm like you know i don't need the i don't need to go crazy yet you know i'm i'm not that stupid i don't need to be looking for boon and crackets or or you know so that was like my goal i'm like okay if it hits 160 you know if it grows 160 i'll, I'll go after it and then um you know i just you know, kept working at that. That was yeah. like the next, the next game plan. So with that said, are you looking for, I mean, how old are you right now? I am 27, 27. Yes. So this, all this shit has gone down in the last 10 years. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> so 160 at 17 and your expectations are 160 from, for a period of time for, you know, I don't know how many more years until you kind of, until you were like, I am now, I have to now take it to even the next level. I think, uh, you know, and, and shooting some deer that were, uh, you know, throughout the last, you know, I mean, if looking at it, I've really, you know, probably been, you know, hunting hard for 11 years, which doesn't seem like a long time at all. But, you know, what I've learned in that time and the deer I've uh, been able to be successful in getting, uh, and like I said, there, you know, there was definitely deer that were under that 160 mark and, and, um, you know, I was definitely pissed about it when I shot them. But I think that's, that's a realistic thing that happens to everybody. Yeah. Everybody gets the gun, you know, jumps a gun and shoots a deer smaller than they want. Um, it, and I've never tried to hide that. I mean, yeah. I've, you know, if I didn't, there's been, there's been deer that I shot that I don't even take pictures with, you know? So, um, but with that being said, I don't think I really, really like raise the bar up that to that next level until um, a couple years ago uh I, maybe three years ago i really started to okay man 160s ain't cutting it like i yeah. i want something big like because in my mind i still didn't have anything that fit in on, on dad's wall you know yeah. i mean it w- to where i did but i'm like you know here i'm looking at you know 200 inch 100 200 inch typicals you know 190 yeah. you know and i'm like you know god damn it you know i gotta i gotta step it up so in my mind and um and that's when I really started, I think, taking my whole game to a to a new level and getting more aggressive and and trying to you know get those deer and and not only you know through this time was I satisfied like you'd think like you know hunting down and killing a 160 170 inch deer would be satisfying well it would almost drive me more to go kill the next one and I I wouldn't even take any time to appreciate that deer like it'd be okay one hit the ground okay I got to get here now like yeah. I got to get here to kill one here and then if I killed one there then it's Okay, then where, where else can I go? You know, I'm running out of property. Well, uh, I'll go hunt this piece of public ground just just so I can get in the woods, so I can just start wreck the process. It, you know? all I mean, I just you know, I just yeah. want to um, you know do as as good as I can. So, 
it sounds like w- there was several motivating factors to what drove you and being competitive was one of them. Why, why I mean, why why was it that you wanted to have a big deer in the main house on you know, yeah. not in the garage. Yeah. I want to have a yeah. deer that yeah. sits right next to uh, one of dad's deer. Dude, I think I think that's natural, man. I yeah. think and I don't know, I, I'm just I think if you don't want to win, then why are you doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, like it's it, it's like you go, you know, it's like playing a football game. Like yeah. if you have no intention of winning that game, what like why even do it? Or yeah. or you know, I I don't know. Maybe that sounds sounds bad, but I just it, it's a uh, um I don't know. Everybody wants to kill a big buck, man. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, everybody does. And that's and that that's what it's about, you know. I mean, if I if I wanted to go have a good time in the woods, I would just go have a good time in the woods, and I'd sit yeah. there any time of year, you know. And I love being out in nature and out in the woods, and I love the the process. But man, I'm out there to get it done, man. Yeah. And I'm and you know, it's just something I want. I want it bad, you know. So with you know with all that said you know you being not only self-motivated because you wanted to do better than every single year before a little bit of you know i guess hidden uh, competition with your dad you know as you were learning what were some of the biggest failures or maybe mistakes that you made in the woods at by yourself in the past, I don't know, five, ten years that made you better at what you're currently already doing? Um, yeah, I, I think it's honestly, it's failures that, that do yeah. it. Like, I, there's been so many, um, so many fails, you know, go into those, those, uh, uh, you know, victories. Yeah. And um, I think probably the biggest, when I really took it a step further and you know wind wind direction has always been something that that dad has 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 been you know mm-hmm. really adamant about so um therefore i've always been adamant about wind direction and with that being said i think one of the biggest things that that upped my game and i started killing bigger deer and more deer like in even a season is learning and teaching myself how to um properly manipulate these areas that I would find through the hard work scouting to yeah. kill a deer. So many times I'd find, you know, scouting's never been a problem for, with me. I'll find the area, mm-hmm. but for so long I would find the area and fuck the area up. Yeah. Because it's, dude, there's a lot of things to put together. I think when you, you know, and I have, I have friends like this and I, I have people that talk to me all the time at, at trade shows when I'm selling stands and stuff. And they're like, yeah, you know, well I found that Buck's bedding area, but <clears throat> I just bumped him out. Well, you know, yeah, you didn't, you didn't, manipulate that area properly mm-hmm. um and a, and a lot of times you can drop the ball in that sense and also i think just getting that killer instinct like there's something about you know you can be you can be the best shot out in the yard you know on at the target and at the block or right. a, a 3d shooting but you know when you get in the situation and you got that deer 10 yards and that rack is is got you tripped up and and making that shot and really capitalizing so just i think just the time and you know the the repetition of uh, getting comfortable with those animals yeah. uh, is a big thing too. Right, right, and that's one thing that um, one this one old timer said. He goes, "The best way to get comfortable in you know killing deer is to kill deer." Yeah. yeah. So I mean, 
throughout throughout these years, did you ever at all just go out and like slam some does or um, I mean, do you I mean, do you I know I know people who go out and they'll they'll they're hardcore big buck hunters, but they give their, the meat away to the deer or of the deer. Do you take meat into consideration at all or is I've, it? I've never, I, I, I lied. I've killed one doe in the entire time I've ever hunted. Okay. So I killed one doe and I regretted that so bad. I, like I, I remember going out there and I actually took my wife out there. Like we wanted to just go get some meat for the yep. freezer and we went out with the bow and um, I ended up, I ended up nailing this doe at like seven yards and she dropped like maybe 15 yards away and was right in the field dead. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) and if I sound like a, like a chick or something here at this moment, I, whatever, but this fawn ran out and she had a fawn with her and that fawn would not leave that doe side, dude. And that just like scarred me. Like I was like, I just killed that freaking fawn. And I was like, and I didn't even need this meat. Like, what am I doing? You know? So ever since then, honestly, I haven't shot a doe. And that was, and that was a long time ago. I just, we should, I think it's important to, to thin the herd, but it's just, I don't know when I'm out there, I'm out there for like, you know, if, and then I always have this in my mind, like shooting this doe is going to mess up my, like, you know, it's different. Yeah. Like if you got a tag filled and then you're shooting a doe, but if that's the case, I'm somewhere else looking for another buck. So I'm just, I'm so driven into that, you know, getting antlers on the ground that, that, um, I don't really think about the, and I, I eat them. I love, yeah. you know, I love the deer meat, but. I just want to rack with it, you yeah. know. I don't, I, you know, fair enough, just, man. Fair enough. So now, I guess, <clears throat> how long did it take you to learn? Because I'm thirty, I'm going to turn thirty-eight next month or in, in November, and I ten years on me. I know, <laughs> I know, I'm old. So I, uh, I just recently f- have started getting it you know what i mean yeah. like walking yeah. into the timber and being okay it's clicking yeah yeah, it starts to click a little bit better and i'm still nowhere near what let's say like someone like yourself who can go in and like i i, I think observation is key identifying uh you know access and all that stuff and i'm starting to get all on that but how long did it take you from when you were there to for it to to click um i i think it definitely took a few years, um, and I think it's just uh, kind of constantly putting myself out there in those situations and hunting deer, and then even a lot of deer that I've hunted that um, I haven't been successful with. Yeah. Like I, I specifically remember hunting this one deer, um, I would probably say maybe five or six years ago, Yeah. Um, and uh, I was just one step behind him for like weeks yeah and weeks and weeks and and uh i never ended up killing that deer i ended up trying to get a little too close to him uh and i ended up blowing the deal Mm -hmm. but i would probably say yeah um sorry i don't even know where i'm going with this here i remember i remember blowing the deal and then i remember hearing like after the season like I remember sitting at the kitchen table and I was just thinking and it and it sort I remember thinking in my head like it sort of clicked one day with that specific deer and I'm like fuck I could have killed him right here yeah and I I remember saying that under my breath and 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 then dad was like oh you finally figured that out and I'm like what do you mean he's like 
He's like, yeah. He's like, me, me and uh, me and Alan were talking about it, and we we were debating on whether we should tell you months ago. Like, you you could have sat in this draw. He's like, he's like, but we wanted to see if you'd figure it out. And yeah. I never killed that deer, and I'm like, you fucker, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it, it's stuff like that that I'm grateful for too. That I, you know, I learned it on my own. But I think at that point in time is when I really started getting more technical with things and and really trying to, you know, use the sign more to my advantage and and and. Um, yeah, so I would say a few, you know, definitely a few years of just just hard out there all the time. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that with me, that was one of those things where I used to be the guy who November, October first hit, and it was every single day, as much as time in the timber as I could. And then I realized, you know, that just you know, you're not, you don't need to hunt October first. I mean, I mean. If, if you found a buck and you got him patterned, yeah, go in after him. But there's a lot of, um, how do I put this, uh, time wasted in the timber that you don't need to be there, whether it's like 85 degrees in October and, and some of that stuff. Uh, but, it, you know, when you're going in to just hunt and you're, you don't have anything patterned or whatnot. So did you, were you, you know, when you were younger, maybe early 20s, were you going out and just hunting as much as possible or did you were you starting to pick when you would strike in the timber no i i think um uh you're right like at first it was like i gotta be out there all the time as much yeah. as i can be out there i gotta be out there i gotta put myself in the woods i gotta um just because you know and i think you know i think that's how everybody starts yeah i hear dad talk about that like oh, i wouldn't have missed a day ever i never missed a day you know and and um you know so i you know hear that and um, think of myself like, well, man, if I want to get it done, I got to get out there, you know? Yeah. So I would definitely hunt a lot more and even on those miserable, you know, days. Yeah. Um, but it, with that being said, you know, now I pick and choose, I still hunt a lot, but I will definitely, you know, hunt the better, uh, what I think will uh, produce better or, um, give me a better outcome. Uh, like I'm trying to think, um, you know, I think that's a big thing about uh, developing my almost style too. Like a lot of people, you know, dad is big on moon phase. Yeah. Uh, you know, so moon phase is a great thing, but I never let it be my only deciding factor if I make yeah. it in the woods. Yeah. I'll change up my strategy like completely due to the moon phase, but a lot of guys are, oh, it's a, it's a shit moon. I'm not even going to go out. Yeah. Like, so I will, but I'll just be in a different spot, you know? Yeah. So... I am not a moon phase guy at all. No? Like, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I, th I think it probably has something to do with it, but when I have the time to go out and hunt, I'm not going to let the moon phase oh, determine, you know, that's the thing, whether you know, or not and, it's going to. And, and that's the thing about moon phase, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it, I think it's, I a hundred percent think it's on the money, but it's on the money for feeding patterns. Yeah. And there's so many things that reflect, that also affect feeding patterns any sort of rut activity, yeah. you know, any sort of, you know, bucks getting squirrely in late October, trying to show dominance, uh, hitting scrapes, like none of that has any recollection on the moon. You yeah. know, that's just when that, you know, deer might be more compelled to feed. So, right. Um, man, we got a, we, we got, we got a parade here now. <laughs> that's, a, that's for I sure. Know. We're sitting here, at, we're sitting here at this uh, park and people are coming out of the woodwork and uh, so if, if you start hearing background noise, it's because, well we're at a state park and there's some kind of event going on today that I didn't realize. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so I think there's so many other factors yeah. and, and, 
you know, so uh, I look at it, but do I let that be my only thing? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, you have a wife, you have kids. Um, it says here in your notes you've been with your wife, uh, you know, 15 years. You've yes. been with her. Well, we haven't been married 15 years. Right. Yeah, we've been together a long time. A long yeah. time. Yeah. And when it comes to when it comes to this passion, right? Like, I, I recently went on elk hunt. Uh, I went to Colorado. My wife stayed home with my three kids for eight days. Right? Um, I get I take two weeks off of work in uh, November, and I go hunt for 16, 17 days. And my wife is at home with my three crazy ass kids. So, sacrifice and dedication are two like words here that stick out on these notes. So talk to me a little bit about how, what you've kind of taken away from the term sacrifice in order to be becoming a successful bow hunter. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely sacrifice. I mean, it comes, it's just like with anything when you're hitting it hard. Uh, you know, I, I guess I've always said it comes down to, or in my opinion, you know, how bad do you want it? I mean, if, if, if you want it bad enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and in any time that I've been in the woods uh, or a season goes by and I'm sitting at the end of the season when it's all through and I don't have, you know, the caliber deer on my wall that I wanted or, um, you know, I might not have gotten to another state or, or been successful. I just, I blame myself. Yeah. Well, you didn't want it bad enough, man. You yeah. know, if I missed one, well, you should have shot a little more. You yeah. know, if I, uh, you know, messed up on a bedding area well you should have spent a little bit more time and figured out where the hell that deer was going to come from instead of screwing it up and jumping in there so uh but with that being said man i you know my uh my wife's birthday is october 26th and um it's funny but i don't think i've ever been with her on her birthday like in in 15 even when we were dating as kids and yeah like she knew right off the gate man it was like hey this is this i need to be in the woods right now you know this is this is my time um, which is, it's pretty funny, but you know, I, <laughs> I'm glad she's so understanding, but it's just one of those things, you know, and, and she gets it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, but it's hard to pull off. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, t- I want to expand on this a little bit because that's a pretty bold statement. 15 years, never been with her on her birthday. Um, there's certain times a year where when it's time to go out and get the job done, you get the job done. So does that mean that as a family man, you are doing things the rest of the year to make up for that? So that when she, that she knows, hey, October 1st hits, I'm going to see my husband less. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I've, I've always fell into that trap of, you know, being gone forever and then, you know, having to get like that gift or, 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 <laughs> or some, something when I, when I come back. But, um, it's, uh, and and it's not and that's the thing you know it's not like her birthday's on November fourteenth or something it's it, it's late October but yeah uh, it's just man it's a time that I love to be in the woods and and I don't think that um, uh, I don't think I necessarily have to spend spend a lot you know but I, I mean I like to give I don't know I don't even know where I'm going with this I, I feel I feel like I'm uh, going in circles but. Um, what was the question? I don't. Know. I, I, I don't I'm, I'm sort of like. Well, just like. For, so for me, I, I had a girl. The girl. The girl I was dating before I, I married my wife. I told her I hunted, but I never took the time to explain to her oh, that yeah, 
I'm going to be gone every weekend in October and November, and I'm taking two weeks off in November, and that's just kind of how it's going to roll. Now, we got into the rut that one year, and she was like, what the hell? You're, you've been you've been gone every weekend. When do I get my time? I'm like, yeah. well, the hunting season is right now. You've had your time all year. I didn't do a very good job explaining that. So now, when I met my wife, I sat her down, and I had a conversation, and I said, listen, October... November, don't make plans. I'm busy. All right. If you want to do something, do it before or after that. And if this is going to be a problem, then maybe we, this relationship shouldn't go any further. And that was a t- that was kind of a awkward conversation to have. But I needed to lay the groundwork out front from her, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. to let her know that listen, this is my passion in life. I don't, I don't do bowling league. You know, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I'm. I don't. I don't know. I watch sports only when I'm available, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't go to football games. I don't, I'm not in any rec leagues. Like hunting yeah, for that's me it. is that's it. The, that's the deal. Yeah. I, so I guess to answer that, um, or to along those same lines, we've just been together so long that, yeah. you know, we were together when I got, right when I got into hunting big. So it was like, and she knows the, the type of competitive person I am and, yeah. and what I'm, what I'm out to do. And, and, um, and I think she's always just been okay with that, um, but I do feel like I got a really good I got a really good groundwork now because, yeah. you know, we we were engaged for a long time, right? Yeah. And she was beating me down about a fall wedding for so long, <laughs> and I was like, "Babe, what the hell? You you know we can't get married in the fall, and you know it." And I and then you know it just it, things would happen. It would be postponed, and it just keep getting postponed. And then I gave her. Uh, I gave her that October 13th wedding date. So yeah. I think right there, I think that should seal the deal forever now. I mean, right. like she, what I sacrificed, but I, I hunted that morning. Yeah. And I hunted the next morning. <laughs> so I literally only missed one evening sit uh, because we got married just, you know, probably about an hour from the farm I was hunting. So, yeah. I mean, I was, I was still able to, she's like, Are you out of the woods yet? I'm like, almost, you know? And so it was, it was, it, it was wild. But, um, you know, to that point too, I mean, I remember as a kid, like, my old man was never around. Like, yeah. like Christmas, we, we'd all go to like Christmas at an aunt's house or something. We'd be like, well, where's Andre? Like, oh, he's hunting. Yeah. You know, like Christmas get-togethers or, or you know, birthdays and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it's just something that I've seen uh, for so long that it, it you know, kind of affect the way I, I work too. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it definitely requires some sacrifice for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the last question I have about that is as – the kids came into yeah. the picture. That was right. harder. Yeah. That was, that was tough. So, I mean, she already knew, right, that you were you kind of obsessed with this hunting thing at that, this bow hunting thing and that bow hunting. Uh, I mean, do you agree with the term bow hunting is a selfish sport? Uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, if or, you do it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think. Anything you're doing for yourself, I think, is a little. I mean, yeah. it's selfish, I guess. But it's it's. Uh, um. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. So but, then, as the kids would come into the picture, was there ever a kind of conversation where it was like, Cody, you have kids now? I mean, did that did did anything like that happen or? No, no. no. But but what did become hard is, you know, just naturally. I wanted to be with the kids more. Oh, yeah. So like that, yeah. that was one thing that I did, uh, that I did deal with. And my kids aren't very old, but like even now it's getting to the point where, you know, they're like, well, daddy, no, stay here. 
Like, yeah. you know, like, why are you going? Why are you leaving? Like, don't, don't, don't go hunting. Stay here. So that gets tough. Yeah. Uh, and then being away from him for an extended period of time. But as far as, um, as far as the wife goes, though, she's she's always been super awesome about um, yeah. you know knowing that. And like you said, she knows that it's not it's not like that all year. Mm-hmm. There's you know I'm a pretty I'm a pretty straight uh, you know program program type type of dude. You know I like you know I, I work out, I go to work, I come home. Like I got ways I do things, and and there's a time of year that I'm gonna be freaking wherever. But then like you said, most of the other time. We do a lot of stuff together in summer. You know, yeah. we go uh, up north and fish and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So right. I think it all balances out. And um, so for all those wives at home, you got to get a little bit more understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. You, you, heard it, you heard it here first. <laughs> all right. So the last thing I kind of want to talk uh, about um, on, on this particular podcast is this private versus public. Now, um, I know you guys hunt some uh, private land. Did was it always private land, or did you cut your teeth on some public ground as well? Uh, me per se, no. So I mean, I, I've hunted public ground, and I'm more so hunting public ground now that yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But like, you know, when Dad came up, it was you know, it, it was a different time back then. But you know, it was all public, and he was uh, um, a lot of state ground and stuff like that. But when I came up, I always had either access to, you know, friends' private pieces, uh, you know, uh, leases that dad would be involved in or, you know, maybe ground that was owned by people I know. So I've bounced around and, and definitely honed my skills in different areas. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you know, even uh, Missouri versus Illinois versus, uh, you know, Wisconsin. Yeah. And I think it all needs to be hunted a little differently. Um, you know, I'll hunt farm country in illinois a little bit different than i'll go about it at the home farm in iowa just yeah. i think the deer act a little different and but um but no i never i never really started getting into public too much until i was just like hurting for more places to go and more deer to kill yeah you know and i you know i go into a piece of public uh with the um you know just with the thought in my mind like you know i've i've been doing this stuff longer than these deer have like you know and i haven't yeah. been doing it that long but you know, I always, I always got that positive attitude of that, like, you know, I can, I can find them. So, and I've gotten some pretty good deer on public, man. It's just, you know, it's just a way of doing things. So, um, but I do feel like the style that I've originally started with, as far as, you know, being mobile and coming up, you know, listening to that, that style and, and that way of hunting on private almost set me up to be a good public land hunter. Yeah. So just cause I think that's, you know, it's the bread and butter of it, you know, moving around and yeah. So shit plus i've I've hunted leases that were swarmed with 10 12 guys and they're all limited to 300 acres and yeah you know you're trying to bounce around people like that it's almost sometimes it's almost worse oh yeah and that's one thing like i get these messages um on all the all the ground that i have that i hunt is a very small piece is public or it's private i mean iowa is like two percent private ground so I have knock on door permission where I've just, you know, got these relationship with, with these farmers who, I mean, also let other people hunt. So yeah. it's not like I'm on this manicured property. I still, I still set, and then we, we talked about this before we started recording was I still set up my stands in my traditional rut spots, like some big pinch points or downwind of some downwind of some historically good bedding areas. And, but then I never, 
I never use them because yeah. I'm bouncing around so much, uh, trying to maybe flank uh, some of these other guys who are yep. uh, that go into their traditional, you know, th- their stands where they're they're hunting the same stand every single day. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think d- that's one. Of, yeah, that's one of your best cards to play is watching them guys. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I want to end this. I want to end this. Uh, particular podcast with talking about what you feel have been some of your biggest, you know, in the last 10 years really, um, is your bow hunting career. I mean, for 10 years, that, that is your bow hunting career in that 10 year span. What have, what, what's been some of the biggest successes that you, um, were, you know, like I'll, I'll just use this for an example. Was it, that's two years ago you shot, was it two booners in one year or three? Um, it was, uh, now none of those deer net booner cracker, but they right. all grow, they grossed over 170. I actually, I shot, um, I shot a deer that went 185 in Iowa, 174 in Illinois, uh, and then a 160 in Iowa. And I actually missed 170 inch deer on in public in, in Wisconsin that year too. So that okay. was probably my best year to date, I would say. Okay. So you have... You have a 180 class, a 170 class, and a 160 class all in one year, yep. right? That, like, the biggest names in the quote-unquote hunting industry, right? If we're going to call this the hunting industry, have, like, guys don't do that, right? I mean, just recently, two guys have shot two bucks in one year that have been 200 inches. Yep. But before that, it's like not a lot of people can do that doing it the style that yeah, you're doing it i mean everything else is over you know big manicured yeah. food plots on low pressure giant properties whatever so it, yeah, it, yeah that i don't know that's just never been it's never been i don't know and i don't want to down any 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 way of anybody's doing it people are getting it done they're getting it done i've just never enjoyed hunting that way yeah same here same thing with turkey hunting like i just i can't sit in the blind i got to go out and look for the turkeys it's just yeah. so but yeah, so I um, biggest successes. Yeah, I, that would definitely. I, I really like that year. Really taught me a lot, even though I didn't spend a whole lot of time in, in one area. But um, I was very aggressive. You know, it's nice too because you know there's there's a lot of guys with with two tags that that might be able to do that quite often on the same farm that they got a lot of deer pattern. Yeah. But to go to different farms, um, you know, I think. What I was more pumped about that year was I started that season in Kansas mm-hmm. on public ground, on walk-on ground in Kansas, and I passed up three deer that were probably around 150. Yeah. Because I knew there was a bigger one there. Immediately, as soon as the season opened in Illinois, I went straight to Illinois. Um, and then I, uh, you know, three days of scouting and hanging stands, and I connected with that, that deer. Like, I, I figured them out so quick that it was just, that year it was just driving me even more, like, and it was just like, oh, you got this. Where are you going next? You know, yeah. what's the next one on the hit list? Uh, you know, that I hit the home farm, bounced around there a little bit, ended up killing a deer. Uh, then I was like, okay, what's the next date? Where do I go? Immediately went, you know, drove over to Wisconsin, got a tag in Wisconsin, started scouting some public ground. You know, I mean, I didn't have anywhere else to go. I, never, yeah. I ran out of private ground. So, um, you know, I couldn't get another tag late season in Iowa until uh, after Christmas. So I just think being, you know, having that drive and going forward uh, – is is definitely what helps it um but yeah i mean i that i would say yeah i'm definitely proud of proud did of you that ever, year did you ever have a um a deer 
in, in the last 10 years that beat you oh, one yeah. time and then you grinded your ass off and got him in the end? Yeah, in the last, yeah, well, that, and that's what hooked me. That first year did that. Um, but I've had, man, it, dude, you want to get, you want to play a game, let that deer get your specific scent. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, if that deer is, you know, smart and, you know, I mean, he's a mature deer. I firmly believe when they pick up your scent and then associate your personal scent with danger, mm-hmm. dude, it's game on then. I mean, you will have the, you'll have a freaking time on your hands getting at that deer. Um, and I mean, I've always been more so, obviously I don't want that to happen. I like, I like to, I like to get it done before that. Um, I think, yeah, big success is too. Like you said, being able to pinpoint a specific deer and then outsmart that specific animal um, is definitely one. Another thing I, I take a lot of pride in is, is, is close quarter situations. You know, I've never killed a deer over 20 yards. Yeah. Uh, that means something to me. I love getting close. Like yeah. just uh, There's something about like killing a deer inside of 10 yards. Like You outsmart him enough. To, he, he has nothing, no idea nothing's going on. And he comes in, you know, you see him fully in his habitat and he's gone. Like you, you successfully outsmarted that deer in his own, in his at house. his game, you yeah. know. Uh, and, you know, those close quarter shots, um, it's just like a, man, it's an, it's an addiction. And, um, yeah, there's just, I don't know, I, I can, I can speak to every aspect of it. And yeah. I feel like it's all successes. Uh, uh, it's just. You know, like you said, you get it when you care so much about something and, and it uh, consumes so much of your, your life. It's just. Uh, yeah. Well, I had, uh, I, I said earlier that uh, that uh, this was going to be one of the last questions, but I looked at my note sheet here and I have more questions for you. So we're going to keep going if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. All right. So c- kind of going back to score and score being kind of important to you and kind of how you were how you were raised and, and all that stuff. Maturity is something completely different. Ah, ah the age class. The age <laughs> class, right? So, I mean, right now, and this is this is for me too because last I've never shot a deer. I shot I've shot like a a one uh, I'd say a mid 140s class 8-pointer. Had a big cage. He's he's like 21 on on inside. But I passed like a 150 class 3-year-old. Uh, like almost, I think one of them, maybe two of them, uh, last year, uh, because I, I got the opportunity to look at their body. I said, Hey, this, uh, you know, I've never killed a buck in the one fifties, but I passed. That was tough. Yeah. But I passed this because he was only a three-year-old, you know, the goal is to hopefully next year. And I've seen direct results of you passed that one fifty. Now he's a, now he's a one seventy next year. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So, but I've never harvested a one seventy. <laughs> now, you sounds like don't give a shit about age class. No, not one bit. I, I, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't care. I, I always joke around, but like, I don't care if that deer's a year old. If he's got a, if he's got a hundred and eighty, hundred ninety inch rack on his head, he's going down. I mean, yeah. there's just, I feel there's too much. Um, even on bigger farms that I hunt, you are rolling the dice way too much. Mm-hmm to there's so many things that can happen to that deer unless you got thousands and thousands of acres that right. you are specifically managing and you're certain that that deer is going to make it like 
deer, dad has passed up deer, and not because of their age class, because he wanted them to have a bigger rack. Yeah. You know, I feel like a lot of th- a big thing in the industry is they put like an ethical thing behind it that it has to be old. Yeah. Like, uh, I I don't I don't agree with that. Like, yeah. um, I think it's more so you know now wanting a deer to get older just to have a bigger rack or or uh, I, I think that's a different story. Like, but if you can manage it. Like if you property. can manage it and you had the property, you know, then I would see, you know, passing up something that's close to what you want, but that yep. you know could make it. But let me ask you this, Dan, if that deer would have been 165 or 175 and you knew he was a two and a half year old, would you have shot him? Oh, I would have shot him dead. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like, so those people who use that as an, well, I, I didn't shoot him because he was only two and a half. Dude, that thing was like 190. What are you thinking? Yeah. W- why, what in your head is me? Ma- there's so many ways that thing can die. Mm-hmm. Shotgun season's right around the corner. I think it hit by a car. He could get a rack infection next year. He could sprain his fucking ankle, for all I know. And that deer was bigger than anything you have on your wall, and you pass him up because he was only two and a half years old, or only three and a half, or yeah. four and a half. Yeah. What? Where is the logic behind that? So I, I have just personally never, I've never followed that sort of, um, uh, that sort of philosophy. And and the philosophy too that that older dominant deer like the older they get the smarter they get I think that's a bunch of bullshit too I think a lot of times these older deer get so ingrained into their pattern yeah they're smart they've been around for a long time in a in an old dominant buck on public ground might be um, you know definitely more cagey you know getting all that pressure yeah but think about this if he's if he's successful in eluding that pressure for so long he's got a system that works yeah. and if you're competent enough to figure out that system that fucking buck is more killable than any other buck you know yeah. so like i look at it a different way you know i'm i'm uh just uh you know some of these old deer get in a rhythm mm-hmm. and especially if you're on and you know and not even going to the public private thing but um you know uh a three and a half year old deer and personalities too is a big thing too yeah. but but um, that's got nothing to do with age. So yeah, I, I um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I just yeah, I've never been an age guy. So, you know, at the at the, at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you're in your <laughs> living room, right? <laughs> and you're looking at your wall. Uh, what like? Because that's I do that. I find myself doing that a, a lot. You know, I've killed, I've killed five bucks in let's see 10 years roughly and for five of those years i was chasing one particular buck right so my wall doesn't necessarily reflect the experiences that i've had in the woods but i'm happy with what i have so far but but like i stare at my wall and i i look at i got a i got one that's probably a six-year-old i got uh probably a five-year-old a four-year-old and then the the buck with the one of the biggest racks was uh the buck I shot last year as probably like a 145 class he came in I thought he was much bigger and older than he was I shot him I regretted shooting him but it it I didn't take it didn't take away from the experience yeah, yeah, yeah. and I I was kind of thinking about this the other day where I'm just like do I what do I want like what do I want do I want to shoot like have this basically artwork on my wall with these big rare racks or do I want to have that buck there who only scored low 140s but he was one of the biggest bucks like he was like a 300 pounder right so 
I have a lot of these internal questions that I ask myself. So, like, when you look at your wall, what do you want to see on your wall? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I, uh, I'm definitely, I mean, I, I want, I think it's just, it's a, it's a natural thing. And like I said, being like, you know, it comes down to me being sort of very competitive in a way, but even uh, it may seem off subject, but you know, I, I compete in, in weightlifting and bodybuilding and I do that because I want to be the best at the show. Like yeah. I want to show up and I want to wreck everybody there. Like I, I have that, that passion to win. And I think I just, um, I want, I want to continually, continuously beat, you know, my previous best, mm-hmm. but I want a wall ultimately that is better than my old man's. Yeah. That's what drives me. I mean, it may seem, it may seem stupid, but that's, I mean, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, and, uh, I think he's the best. Yeah. So, <laughs> And that's that's crazy, because I like I've never thought of it that way. Where I've never I've never thought of hunting as kind of a competition, and I think that. So let me ask you this question because it's on the tip of my tongue, and yeah, I know yeah. people are going to want to hear it. What you've said today in some of this stuff, like I don't give a shit about age class. All I want to do is kill bigger. You know, inches matter to me. That kind of goes against public opinion. Like, you know, there's, there's some guys that are going to listen to this and go, that son of a yeah, bitch, you know, like a, I hate his, I hate yeah. his guts. What, who does he think he is? Yeah, he think, yeah. You know? So like when it comes to public opinion and like score, some people just don't, especially on this podcast, cause I talk about age class a lot and I talk about passing, you know, younger deer in hopes that they, you know, get a better rack on them the next year. But when you boil it down, it seems like everybody is at one some point concerned about the the, the size of the rack i 100 percent think so i mean now i don't want to upset anybody from my opinions but and to each their own if yeah. you are happy going out there and shooting a you know it's funny i just posted a picture actually on my on my instagram of a buck i call the bull mm-hmm. and this thing is like eight and a half nine and a half years old and he's got probably spikes on him the size of water bottles that are just gnarly and he's probably 350 pounds on the hoof yeah big deer you know if if that's your trophy and 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 you're cool with shooting that and you don't care about the rack and you're all about an old deer then you know to each their own i just i mean you know i want the you want uh, the wall yeah i'm you know i'm after um i want to beat my uh personal bets and continue to um you know kind of go move in that direction it's it's uh it's yeah, that's what it is, I guess. Okay, I, so let me ask you this question. You and your dad now are standing <laughs> in your, like, at the end of the day, what do you want, like, your dad to say about your wall? Like, uh, I got work to do? Or, like, because uh-huh. you say you <laughs> you, yeah, you yeah. want you want a wall that's better than your old man's. Yep, yep. So, like, what, do, what would you want him to say at the end of the day? It's a good question, Dan. It's a good question. Um... <laughs> Because I think, like, I guess, what was cause, that? Because I, I feel like there, like, you don't. There's a lot of stuff you don't give a shit about, and it's just like, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying because it's like, at the end of the day, you got to do you. And yeah, if you're, and I'm, I'm if, just trying to be real, man. Yeah. yeah I, I, what's the point of lying and telling? Oh, well, I'd like deer to be this age. Like, yeah. No, I, I want a big deer <laughs> on my wall. That's what I want. You I know? love it. That's why I started hunting, but. 
Sorry, so, yeah, I didn't yeah, interrupt no, you. So like, no, you're good, but like, what do you like? Do you do you want your? Are you looking for like your dad's approval? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I think everybody's looking for their old man's approval in, yeah. in, in some way, shape, or form. But um, I don't know, man. I just I just like I said, I think it just comes down with with being competitive, and um, you know, if I were to uh, let's say start playing intramural softball well <laughs> i mean i i've never played i've never played softball a day in my life but if i were to start dude i'd want to i'd, I'd want to be the top team yeah and i'd want to be the best guy on that team that's just that's just my yeah my way of thinking so yeah. um you know i just it's i think it's it's deep down just me uh you know striving to be better and you know, I, I guess it, it may sound stupid, but I, I do get a satisfaction of, of knowing I, I did more than the other guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I'm up in the morning at at one thirty or two a.m., you know, driving an hour to a gym, just to get a workout in before I even hit the woods, like, that that drives me, man. That fires me up. I just I, I love going, and I love uh, you know, uh, just kind of, just anything you know and yeah. sometimes it can be a curse too i mean you, sometimes you, you burn yourself out but i just want to be better man i just uh, it's it's just a a deep deep thing to be better so yeah. um so as you get older do you find yourself still i mean when i it's kind of funny i say as you get older because you're 27 <laughs> yeah, years old yeah. but has your passion for hunting like kind of stayed the same or has it continued to build and build and build every single year it, it's definitely continued to build um every single year I, I i just i changed the way i do it um and it's definitely gotten to be a different story now looking for these bigger class deer because you know as you start to hunt these deer you have to deal with the the realization that they're not always there like you right. can have an awesome farm you can have thousands of acres and you might not have that deer you want to kill there. So I think it becomes more important, which is, this isn't necessarily a, a, a area that I typically um, like too much about it, but you got to find those deer. Yeah. Like, so if, if I know that, you know, this piece doesn't have a deer, you know, I got to go do a different state or I got to check a different farm or, or get permission on a different piece of property here. So um, it, it's definitely... Uh, changed a bit but it continues to grow just because you yeah. know i got my goal i got my i got my vision in my head and and um you know it's that's what i'm going for man right it's just so this year and this is going to be the last question before we get into the next <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah. but what are your expectations and or your goal for 2018 bow hunting season um my goals for this season um, would be to kill deer. I would probably say, you know, diving down into it. So I got, I got a couple different prospect properties. So, um, I never like to spread myself too thin, but my goal going into every year is to, um, you know, beat my personal best for one and do that as many times as I can. I mean, or, you know, just successful. Something comes out of too, you know, hitting a piece of property and, you know, now I'm not going to go hit a piece of property, and if the biggest deer on that piece of property is 140, I'm not going to kill it because I don't want a 140. Yeah. I, I don't want a 140. I'm, I just, you know, it's, I'm past that point. You know, yeah. I, I've, um, and it's just, it, you know, it's just me, but um, 
it, it is nice to, you know, it's a really satisfying thing to hit to a piece of property and, um, you know, kill the biggest deer on it if it's something you're looking for. So uh, I enjoy getting to different areas, but it, the goal is to always just beat my beat my personal best and and try and do it as many times as, as I can, you know. So if that takes me hunting all year for one deer, then so be it. You know, I, I'm at that point now, I'm willing to, you know, not just fill tags because I want what I want, you know. So if, if that means waiting a little longer or finding different pieces or, you know, hunting a little harder, that's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to go for. And we're going to get into the details of that on the next podcast. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, this is a two-part series, so stay tuned on Wednesday for the follow-up where Cody and myself talk a lot about whitetail strategy, and uh, we break down how he's been so successful uh, over the years killing gigantic bucks. So... With all that said, huge shout out to Cody for taking time to do this, man. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time to listen and download. Keep doing what you're doing. If you like what you guys are hearing, please go to iTunes or wherever you download this podcast and leave a review. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Deer Lab, Prime Archery, Ripcord Arrow Rests, Ozonics, and of course, Hunter Safety Systems, guys. Um, you know, if you haven't already, you need to check out social media. A lot of crap goes down on the Nine Finger Chronicles social media pages. Not only do I post some kick-ass pictures on the social media page on Instagram, but I have a lot of conversations, you know, like ask some questions, start conversations on this little community that we have on the on the Facebook page as well. So if you're if you're not already following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Facebook and Instagram, please do so. And you if you're going to follow me there, you might as well follow me on the Sportsman's Nation pages as well. Uh, Instagram and Facebook Sportsman's Nation. Uh, a lot of content coming out of there as well and that's about it. I'm going to keep this outro short. If you're going to be in a tree, please our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us, wear your damn safety harness.